Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. The health service has been in the news for all sorts of reasons over the last um, 48 hours. Just look at three of the news stories that we've been hearing about. You just heard Quishock mention uh, during the bulletin that the HSE are closing the emergency department at Our Lady's Hospital in Navan. The INMO are seeking an urgent meeting over hospital overcrowding with 457 patients currently on uh, a hospital bed or a trolley. 459 COVID patients in hospital today. And 97% of non-consultant hospital doctors have voted in favour of industrial action over their working conditions. The IMO saying that uh, more junior doctors are opting to leave the country over long hours and toxic working environments. So just what is going on with the health service in this country? If you want to get in contact with us, our number is 1800 453 106. You can join us um, or you can text us, should I say, on 53106. Now, Brian Doyle is a junior uh, doctor. Um, Brian, it sounds like one of the most difficult jobs in the world, the way it is described. And when I read about the hours that uh, that you work, 97% of non-consultant hospital doctors voting in favour of industrial action. If ever there was a majority, that's a majority. Um, hi, Adrian, and uh, thank you to you and the listeners for, for, for having us on. Um, it is a, a challenging profession at the moment. Um, it's one that I absolutely love, but I, I suppose to give your listeners an idea of the issues that we've been having from a, from a work perspective, it really goes on over the last number of years in terms of excess working hours. Um, we have a thing called the European Working Time Directive, which protects uh, workers and, and patients in hospitals that says that doctors should not work more than 48 hours in a week and are usually contracted to work, say, 39 hours in a week. But regularly, over 90% of our members are working greater than 48 hours in a week. And the majority are, are reporting also that they're having difficulty being paid for those hours. And to put that in context... And, uh, sorry, about, sorry, sorry to cut across you, yeah. but in terms of the hours, uh, you say 90% are mm. reporting working more than 48 hours, but that doesn't really uh, look at how severe it is, with the with some working very serious hours. Absolutely. There's right, so uh, about 35% of our doctors are working greater than 70 hours uh, in a week, I believe, from, from the surveys that we've done. And when you put this into perspective, about 25% of your career as a hospital doctor will be spent as a non-consultant hospital doctor, where you're moving around every hospital in the country for about 25% of your career. And that could be in Dublin one six months. It could be in Cork the next six months. And you're constantly moving around, trying to start a family, trying to you know settle into the community, and at the same time being faced with excessive hours. And this isn't just an NCHD welfare issue. This is also a patient safety issue. Um, if you're tired at the end of your shift, if you're getting on the road, you're probably not safe to drive. You're probably not safe uh, to be looking after patients at the end of a very, very long shift. So this is as much a patient safety issue as it is a welfare issue for NCHC. Um, and it's been going on for years on end. Um, if you take all of the hospital doctors in Ireland, there's around 7,500 NCHCs. That's two-thirds of the doctors in our hospitals. And these issues have been going on for years, and the HSE has failed 
year after year to sort it out. And that is also and, uh, let me ask you, Brian, when I, when I read that um, a, a large percentage of junior doctors are, are planning to leave or have left, are conditions dramatically better in the countries to which they're going? Absolutely. I mean, you're very much protected um, in terms of the hours that you were allowed to work. And I, and I think a lot of that is driven from a patient safety point of view. If you go to Australia, if you go to the UK, if you go to other countries uh, in the developed world, you know, these are ingrained in your contracts. You are not allowed to work excessive hours. It is not safe, not just safe for you, it is not safe for patients. But in Ireland, we have not. We've overlooked that and we've done it year after year. And we so, so is Ireland a complete outlier in terms of the conditions that people like yourself have to work in? We're not, we're not the only country in the world, but we're in a, we're in a, you know, a minority of countries um, who, who practice uh, unsafe working hours uh, for doctors. Stay there for one second if you can, please, Brian. Dr. Uh, Neve Kiernan McConnell uh, joins us on the line. Uh, Neve, you're also a junior doctor. Uh, 97% voting uh, in favour of industrial uh, action. I yeah. assu- I'm assuming you're one of that 97%. Yes, yeah, um, I am. Yeah, definitely. Tell me your um, experience, Neve. Oh, I, I consider myself lucky because the maximum um, hour shift I've worked is only 27 hours. Um, and that's after um, 2013 when they voted for a 24 hour no more. But um, colleagues of mine, like Brian, um, are working well in excess of even 24, of 24 hours. Um, and then they're faced with drives home. And at the same time, they're meant to be working at their like top level. Um, you're caring for patients, you're making life and death decisions, and you're on you're working on very, very little sleep. And then the self your self care as well. You're like you're, you're you're meant to get your rest in like you're meant to suddenly switch to from day to night. Um, you know, you might have family um dependents, I have two young kids, um, and you're meant to like be able to look after them as well. So it's it's a huge personal sacrifice as well. Um so I I feel for patient safety point of view and for our own safety as well, um, that this is the last resource. But let's uh, let's talk about patient safety and obviously my heart goes out to uh, all of you for putting in the hours that you uh, put in. Um, a lot will argue that you probably knew that when you got into it in the first place, but let me talk about patient safety and the hours that you put in, the conditions that you work, described by the IMO as, uh, in some places, toxic working environments, that would make me very nervous as a as a patient for my safety. Yeah, yeah, I would be nervous too. I that, and that's why doctors have been forced to take industrial action. It's not just for ourselves, it's actually for the health system as well. It's a much, very much a last resource, um, and there's a huge amount of guilt if we do actually end up having to go on strike. Um, there will be a huge amount of guilt, and, and we'll be working double the amount of time to make up for it when we do go on strike. I'm sure. But, um, yeah, um, it's definitely patient safety because if you're working those excessive hours, you're going into autopilot, you're completely burnt out. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to make these decisions and you're trying to, you know, people, people, patients are scared because they're in hospital. You're trying to be empathetic while you're completely, like, burnt out, you're exhausted um, and you're kind of working on autopilot and, and very much fight and flight. I remember... I used to laugh, but I just sometimes survive on caffeine and chocolate because there were, often would be no food in the hospital. Um, you know, you wouldn't, you, you'd just be depending on a vending machine to keep you going. 
So let me ask you then, what is the the solution here? Let us hope that you don't have to strike. And as you said, uh, you're so committed to your jobs that uh, there would be guilt involved even in that. Uh, But without a a strike, what is the solution here? Is it uh, more hires or uh, what is it? I think it's better engagement with the IMO, um, so um, better engagement with the NCHDs, um, improvement in work-life balance. Um, a lot of us are graduate medicine doctors, and so a lot of us went into medicine in, in later life, so a lot of us would have dependents now. Um, the, the system isn't fit for purpose. You can't be expected to move around the country um, um, in your you know, your late 20s, early 30s, um, or, or even longer, um, when you have, like, small children and families that depend on you as well and um, it's just not sustainable um, and like a colleague of mine was asked to do three 24-hour shifts there this week as well as working over the weekend it's just insane when she's coming home to her family too um, it's just it's particularly cruel but it's because they're so short-staffed so I think increased hiring better engagement with CHDs better engagement with IMO um, and payment for the hours they're working as well um, often we which which seems to be an issue as well that uh, oh, working issue. extra hours and not actually receiving a penny for it. And I just want to just especially when yeah, I just want to reverse for one second yeah. and and highlight to our listeners what you just said. Um, a, a, a friend of yours ended up working three twenty-four hour shifts in a week. Yeah, that is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I won't name the profession because actually a lot of my colleagues are um, are quite <clears throat> like they're quite nervous about speaking out because. Um, they're dependent on, you know, they don't want to name hospitals. They're depending on on keeping their, you know, keeping a good face because they they're dependent on this for their careers as well. So, um, like myself and Brian are kind of sticking our necks out to speak out about the hours and all our, our other colleagues in the IMO. Um, but a lot of us feel, um, a lot of people, if you spoke to other doctors, they'd actually be nervous and they wouldn't name the hospitals they're working in and they wouldn't want to name the specialties they're in because, um, they're kind of expected to suck it up. Okay, Just stay stay with me for for yeah. one second, uh, Neve. As I said to to Brian before you, it it sounds horrendous uh, in this day and age when we have such fantastic employment rights legislation uh, to have doctors overlooked in this way uh, and constantly and continuously is uh, is very very difficult for all of you. I want to just um, move on to another aspect of, of the health service that we've been talking about a lot over the last uh, 24 hours. And that is, of course, in uh, Navan. The uh, HSE say they're closing the emergency department uh, at Our Lady's Hospital in Navan. And that will leave essentially only one emergency department in uh, Louth and Meath, and that is in uh, Drogheda. Uh, Marie and Tracy are on the line. Marie, if I can start with you. Uh, what is the situation there at the moment? Oh, good morning. Well, the situation is now that we won't have uh, an A&E. And my personal experience with A&E in Navan has been absolutely fantastic. My husband had cardiac arrest 13 years ago. I didn't know he was going to have a heart attack. I was driving him to the hospital, which is 10 minutes away. We had registered. We were about three minutes there and he went into cardiac arrest he was gone for seven minutes and they were able to bring him back and, and the point being had you had to travel any had you had to travel any further he would be dead uh, he, he, he would have been he would have died in the car going or even an ambulance because um he he was gone you know and then uh thank god for that and then five years ago he had a stroke 
and he had it at night time. We had to wait 40, 45 minutes for an ambulance, which came from, um, I think it came from Drada. And uh, they got him to Navan Hospital when they got here in about six minutes with the ambulance. And by this, that stage, his speech was gone. He was paralysed down one side. But he made a very good recovery because he got to Navan Hospital so quickly, you know, in the ambulance. Your your so concern, obviously, is oh, is that delay concern. at your stage in life with yeah, the possibility yeah. of uh, health complications like you've just yeah. described. Yeah. Going forward, if uh, the, I know uh, people are determined to uh, campaign to keep this uh, emergency department open, but if not, um, from where you live, I'm assuming that Drogheda is the closest. There would be Drogheda or the other side, Blanchestown, but you could be looking like, I don't know, an ambulance 40, 45 minutes and over an hour to drive there. You know, like, it's re- it's really not much good to us. I would have lost my husband, you know. You sound, ner- so you sound nervous about the prospect of it closing, I, of, of the ED. I'm very, in, in very the- nervous because my husband also got COVID and uh, he stayed up in his room for two weeks. And I brought him downstairs and after that, so the COVID should have been gone, but his breathing was so bad that, again, I had to take him to the hospital. And again, he was just admitted. He was put on oxygen. He was there for a few days. Like, it's such a fantastic facility. It really is. Why they're closing it, I do not know. I really, really don't. And I assume you're going to be involved in the uh, campaign to uh, to keep it yeah. uh, to keep it open. Stay there for one second because Tracy is also uh, on the line in County Meath, and uh, Tracy uh, in Navan is also your local hospital. How are you going to be affected if this does go ahead? Well, we'll have no no hospital then on our doorstep, and it'll take me uh, over an hour to get to Drogheda. And God forbid anything was wrong, like you know, should it they, they be gone? Gone to the, the other side, as the saying is, but like that's it's it's outrageous. Mm. Navin is a great hospital. I've had m- most members of my family have been in and out of Navin. Um, my father uh, was in it for ten weeks, waiting on a double bypass, and uh, it was it was Navin that detected that that it, there was a, a major blockage there, and. They tried to put in a stint in the matter and then they sent him back. And Navin kept on top of it and they got eventually got him back into the matter and he does double bypass and he's here to tell the tale and flying around, not bothering him. And you obviously and, believe yeah. um, that had he had to travel further um, or been in the situation that we now find ourselves in, um, he may not be with us. Exactly, yeah. And like he would have worked in, in Tara Mines there for, for over 40 well, since it opened. And uh, I've always said it. I have a book that he would have brought home when, with, with all the different companies that would have had Tara Mines. And it clearly states on the book that you have to have an operating hospital when you have an operating mine. And I can't understand what the government are at. Like if, if there was an accident to happen in that mine, where you know they'll be all dead by the time they get to Drogheda mm. and they're overcrowded as it is so it leaves us in the position now we've, we have we have to either go to Mullingar and they're trying to take in people from Roscommon Longford and then us on top of it and they're overcrowded and my husband had had a heart attack on, on Wednesday so by right he should have been sent to his local hospital which would have been Navan and then on to the matter but instead of that 
the ambulance brought him to James's, which I'm not, I'm not knocking. It's a fantastic hospital and everything else. But I want my hospital in my county and I don't want to have to be travelling outside it. All right. Uh, uh, I assume you're going to be part of uh, this campaign as well to reverse this decision. Only for Pather there, he has kept it on, on highlighted all along mm. and only for him. And I, I support any way I possibly can. All right. Um, stay with me for one second. I want to re- read out this message. It says, my father spent 10 weeks in it recently and had a double bypass. They tried the stints first and he was uh, sent to the matter and back. The doctors uh, inside in Navan looked after him, sent him home with his uh, double bypass. Um, and lots more messages coming in on this. I want to go to... Uh, Drogheda now and um, Ralph you are a nurse in Our Lady of Lords in Drogheda what's the current situation uh, there today when it comes to overcrowding uh, well where, where we are at the moment um, like on, on my ward at the moment we're, uh, we're actually currently suffering a COVID outbreak so uh, overcrowding is, is a major issue in Drogheda and uh, you know and it's always kind of it seems to be that it always will be but one of the key issues that uh, for the overcrowding is that there is a large number of patients, but there also just isn't that number of staff to be able to deal with it. Like today, for instance, like um, uh, we like we don't have the staff on the ward at the uh, at the moment. Like we've got a manager who's supposed to be only nine to uh, nine to five. She's happened to do a long day now today, eight to eight, and be on the floor like uh, with uh, you know direct patient care as well because we just simply don't have the staff to, to deal with it. So it's a combination of uh, increased patient numbers and um, not enough staff to meet uh, meet the demand as well. And we heard yesterday, obviously, and we've been uh, talking about the closure of the emergency department in Navan. Uh, that ultimately is going to have an effect in Drogheda as well. Absolutely, it will, because... If Navin only has a minor injury clinic um, or whatever they're, whatever they're going to have there, um, for anything major, like they're going to have to go to either, you know, Drada or um, Monaghan, I believe, has, has an A&E department as well. But, you know, in, if they're trying to, like if the HSE is trying to, um, to solve the um, overcrowding issue or try to come up with solutions, closing down ED departments in busy hospitals is absolutely the wrong way to go about it. Because in, you're you're helping with overcrowding in one hospital, but you're massively increasing the problem in other hospitals. So it's it's a very 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 kind of short-sighted solution to what uh, to an issue that needs a long-term uh, long-term planning and solution. Because let's face it, like it, the issue isn't going to be sorted over overnight. You know, it's going to take a lot of planning to do it. But I just feel that closing down an ED department in a in a hospital like that is simply the wrong, is completely the wrong way to go about it. And people are protesting, and you know, the people are, you know, complaining, and they've the right to do it because it's it's just going to lead to more issues um, down the line. You also mentioned, uh, Ralph, a couple of moments ago about having a uh, COVID outbreak, and we know that the health system was upended over a two-year period because of uh, COVID-19. We see over the last two weeks the number of people in hospital with COVID has uh, increased nearly 200%. You're experiencing that in Drogheda as well? Yes, absolutely. Like, um, for you know, for private reasons, I won't say what ward I'm on, but the like yeah, at the moment, like we've 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 a couple of few wards now that do have COVID patients, and 
you know, ours is now the latest to, to, to have um, uh, COVID-19 here. And it seriously affects, um, like, it, it affects the patients, uh, of course, because, you know, they have COVID and then there's a risk of other rooms potentially getting COVID on the ward. But it also affects staff because we're so, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're understaffed enough to begin with. But then you throw COVID into the mix, then um, it's, a, it's a bit of an issue. Like because then we don't have the staff to deal with to deal with these patients, um, COVID or not. So it's still it's still very much here in the hospital. Hospital it's still affecting our healthcare system, and I don't really see an end in sight to be honest. Because it's sort of one step forward, two steps back when we have a, when we have a COVID outbreak. We you know we have our normal day to day care, then suddenly we have a COVID patient, and then we're back to you know gowning up scrubs only wearing scrubs. Um, you know, it's just, uh, just it doesn't feel like it's going to go away anytime soon, really. Just finally, Ralph, you sound very stressed. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's busy, you know, it's, it's tough, it's tough coming into, uh, coming into, you know, a healthcare or like a, a workplace where you know you're going to be understaffed, you know you're going to be overworked. And it's just, it's, it's, it's tiring. All right, Ralph, thanks very much indeed for uh, talking to us on Lunchtime Live. And uh, I wish you the very best of luck. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.